It's time for another retro throwback sidetrack bonus episode of The Hive Jive. This episode, titled Random Tangents with Tara Chapman, originally aired on Patreon on April 22nd of 2021. Enjoy. Hey, all you Hive Jive junkies out there, it's that time again. Join our hosts, John Swan and Ken Milam, for another bonus edition of The Hive Jive. Okay. <laughs> so anyhow, um, the, uh, yeah, you know, so Ken goes off on these, these cooking things and we've actually <laughs> created a segment on the show now that is the last week of every month. Ken has his own dedicated cooking corner and the only parameters <laughs> are that it must be honey and be related. So honey has to be one of the key ingredients. It can't just be a topping at the end. It has to be replacing the sugar and like made from honey kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, oh, because that. he loves to talk about food so much. So now he has his own little food corner. <laughs> I love and, that uh, so much. I'm going to be using a, I'm making honey cake. I'm, I'm making about three different honey cakes. And that's one of the reasons I'm using it, making that vanilla cinnamon extract because i want to use that into my honey cake because it calls for vanilla and it calls for cinnamon and i'm sitting there okay hell i'll use my own i'll make some so i don't That's know if awesome. it'll be ready by the end but oh well i um yeah i have never had a honey cake um but i have this is a really random tangent but just patience with me um a couple of years ago, I had someone who's in prison and in, incarcerated in Florida, a female, mm -hmm. write to me and say, I saw you in a magazine. I, um, you know, when I knew I was going into prison, I lost my job. And so I was like working at a farm volunteering and they had bees and I became obsessed with bees. And now I want to do and have a farm and like, you know, become a chef. And she has all these big dreams. So she wrote to me and we've become pen pals. So we write, you know, once every month or so. And she's got this delicious recipe for a honey cake that uh, her grandmother has. And I'm like, give me that recipe. I need that recipe. <laughs> so um, honey cakes apparently are, are a thing. And I haven't even, even heard of them before. Yeah, you go online, you can find about a dozen recipes. One I'm going to use be a... Honey cinnamon pecan. I made scones yesterday, and I used uh, I used raspberries, white chocolate, and pecans. And in the and instead of sugar, I used honey. And uh, oh, damn, it's good. I shut up. <laughs> that now. sounds amazing. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna detour us back away from food because I'm gaining weight just listening to you guys talk. So um, me too, John. About <laughs> you, I have hey, a Tara's feeling saying, those are for different reasons. Tara's saying literally. Can I guys share with you real quick the story of how? Yeah, we you, found go out. So you can go pee. It's so no, Ken. <laughs> it's not what she said. Oh, I thought she needed to go pee. No, she's she's going to. She would like to tell us the, um, you know, how all of this came about, like how she actually put it together. Hell, I'm 65 yeah. years old. I know how that baby was made. 
Well, you know, it's not, not just that. about the birds and the bees, Ken. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the storm recently, you know, we had that big storm. I don't know if y'all talked about the storm on the February. On the, have y'all, did y'all talk about it on the podcast a little we bit? Did. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, we did. Okay. <clears throat> so the crazy storm, we lost power and water for about a week. And about an hour after the power went out, and we, you know, it, I know it feels ridiculous for everyone not in Texas to be like, didn't you prepare? Didn't you know? We had no idea that this was coming, right? We had no idea that we were all going to lose utilities, like all utilities of comfort. Anyway, so the power went out and, you know, I hadn't been feeling great. I hadn't been feeling great for a while. Um, <clears throat> and about two hours, hour or two hours after the power went out, I knew, and it, it's purely because given the time and Wi-Fi's down, couldn't work. I mean, I run back and forth, back and forth. I go 90 miles a minute all day long. And so given the time and the space to sit and just have to be with myself and my thoughts with no Wi-Fi, no distractions, no social media, no nothing, Aiden was out chopping firewood for our 84-hour fireplace. You know, he had to keep the fire going for 84 hours. And... I was sitting in my bedroom and I was like, God, I've not been feeling well. And I just knew. And I thought, oh my God. And now backstory, I was not planning to have children. You know, Aiden agreeing to spend his life with me was a concession on his part because in my early, I'm 39. In my early thirties, I just decided my, my story was going to be different than how I thought it was. I wasn't going to have children. And so I came downstairs and he was loading up the fireplace and I said, I think I'm pregnant now. Now, and it's hard to put yourself in my shoes, but I was in, this is not, this is not going to happen, right? This is not what I wanted. And I was in shock. And imagine Aiden who got the girl and he now gets the baby. He gets everything. And he got the biggest, he literally started giggling. And I used some very foul language. And I said, Hmm. stop blank giggling. It's not funny. And then I had to just sit with that information for days because I couldn't get a pregnancy test because the store and then the stores opened up and then the line to get into the HEB was literally four blocks long. Um, and so I finally ended up getting a pregnancy test late that week from the Mexican grocery store and the test was in Espanol. But thankfully, like, you know, it's very easy to read a pregnancy test no matter what the language. So it was very clear. And I was not just a little pregnant, you guys. I was a lot pregnant, like almost 10 weeks. I mean, imagine had the power not gone out. I would be (laughs) one of those women that had a baby over the commode and then was like, I didn't even know I was pregnant. (laughs) You'd be out in the the beekeeping field trying to lift a super (laughs) and be like, wait, wait, something's wrong. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, it's kind of a funny story. Um, But we are now, like I say, we're in 16 weeks. And I have slowly moved from shock to like acceptance to like, I'm slowly getting excited. And then we found that it was a boy and that kind of sent me for a, for a loop. Cause what in the world do I do with a boy? You guys, like I grew up with all girls. Um, but anyway, so kind of a funny story, but we're, we're doing it. We're doing the thing. And it, it, B season is going to look a little different. Um, Aiden won't let me do anything. So yesterday I, ha- I got a form call. And I love storm calls, not because I need the bees, but because, you know, they're just 
fun. You never know what you're going to get. Showed up. So I want to go catch this swarm, and it's 18 feet in the air. And Aiden's like, <laughs> uh, no. And I'm like, well, get your get your beast suit, boy, because we're going on an adventure. <laughs> so yesterday, Aiden got on an got on a giant ladder, stood 18 feet in the air, and caught his first swarm. But see that that though is also why you're not going to have to worry about it being a boy because you may have grown up with all sisters but you know you're the badass cia chick and you go out and get your hands dirty every single day so raising a boy is going to be a walk in the park for you i think if you ended up with a pretty little princess you would not know what the hell to do oh yeah yeah I, i i'm not into like even like gender colors you know the pink and the blue like little girls can wear blue and play with trucks and if a little boy wants to wear a dress like be you you're not hurting anybody um and so for our gender like to find out the gender we stuffed a pinata and and the option was either almond joy because and mounds so almond joy (laughs) one has nuts and one doesn't and mounds out and so so my friend stuffed it with almond joy and we beat it open and when the nuts fell out of the pinata we knew it was boy (laughs) <laughs> that's funny <laughs> oh gracious uh, in regards to to stories um the you were sharing with me a, a little tidbit on something else that you've had to do that was a first here recently and i was kind of right there with you in the department of i would have been way in over my head and so unbelievably stressed out <laughs> oh my god so, Ken, I, you know, we had our normal winter losses are 5%. Mm-hmm. We, after that storm, we lost 30%. Good gosh. And so I have not purchased bees for my own yards in five years because I just make, <clears throat> I just make splits and you just, you know, they like, it, you just get a lot more hives when you already got a bunch of hives, but there was, I needed to purchase bees. And so, um, Blake Shook from Texas Bee Supply, you know, said, Tara, I've got some commercial hives coming in. They're not the genetics that you want, but I'll sell them to you at the price I'm getting them if you want them. So the goal, the thought was, okay, I'll buy these commercial hives and I'll requeen them with the genetics that I, that I like mm-hmm. in my yard. And so, you know, he's up in Blue Ridge, so he's over four hours north of where we are. And so you got to move those bees at night. And, um, I, one, have terrible night vision. Um, and again, Aiden treats me like I'm an invalid, so he wouldn't let me drive anyway. <laughs> and so I said, well, will you help me? And he, of course, yeah, of course. So we drove up, spent at the weekend at his parents' place in Paris, which is about an hour away. And then, you know, Monday night, took the trailer, took the truck over, and we're only getting two dozen, maybe 30 hives. And we showed up and I, I knew what I was getting into, but then I got there and I was like, Oh God, I felt immediately way in over my head. Um, they stacked. I, I, my mind, I was thinking we can load like eight or 10 in the back of the truck. I have a huge bed of a truck and then we can line the others Mm -hmm. in the trailer. And it, I knew it, but it like my brain, the connection didn't connect. And as soon as I got there, I thought, no, you can't because those bees are palletized. And for those that don't know what that means, that means not just that bees are resting on pallets. That means the pallet is the bottom board. They do not come apart. 
So the pallets were kind of going to have to go in the trailer, and the only place they could go would be up. So we had pallets stacked four tall um, on the back of this trailer, and we had, you know, we went and bought huge straps. But we're now rolling down I-35 for over four hours, you know, from nine until two in the morning with this trailer full of bees. And I've moved bees. You know, John and I were chatting earlier. I've moved bees tons and tons and tons and tons and tons in my life. But we're talking like five or six ties in the back of a pickup mm-hmm. truck. We're not talking like hauling a trailer of bees. And even though I knew that's what we're setting out to do, it didn't hit me until we got there. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot more than I like in my mind had bargained for. And it was harrowing and terrifying. And we weren't even totally sure if like we kept doing the math of like, is this trailer weighted for this much weight? Not even (laughs) knowing how much these hives weighed. Anyway, so they're back here now, but you know, I don't have a forklift. (laughs) So they're just currently sitting on the trailer and we've strategized a bunch of different ways to get them off the trailer. A neighbor does have a forklift, but, um, Anyway, so that was no, the adventure. That's, and and that's put yourself perfect. in Aiden's shoes. Aiden is not a beekeeper, you guys. Like he the comfort level of him and bees is not ours and bees. Hmm. Like he doesn't <laughs> even like though he lives with one and this guy gets out of the truck and if you've ever seen the way the commercial guys work, you know, they don't work the way that we work. We're like no. being careful with our hives and they're throwing things around and the bees are frantic and fanatic. And I could just see it in his eyes, like, holy, <laughs> what did I get into? So, you know, that's, that's the that is something <laughs> I didn't even think of. And that is a perfect visual for me. And uh, I, I would have, I, this, this totally would have been me. I would have pulled the trailer into the yard. I would have parked it. I would have got out. I would have been like, thank God we made it. And then I would have looked around and realized that they're on pallets and I don't own a forklift. And I'd have been like, well, f- <laughs> and I can yeah. bleep that out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So they've been sitting on the front of the property, you know, like if anyone come, you know, has come the last couple of days to the shop or for deliveries, they drive within a few inches of, you know, 25 beehives <laughs> on the back of a trailer that are open and flying. And so we do have a neighbor that has a forklift. Um, so we're, we're strategizing, but we're going to cut the pallets in half because we can maneuver two at a time very easily. Like I could cite, we're going to eventually move them onto real bottom boards. I just don't have the bottom board stock at the moment. So we'll eventually move them off, but we're going to cut them in half. That's the plan tonight. We're going to cut them in half. And that way we can at least move them around because they're not going to stay here. They're going to go to other sites, but you can't, can't move a pallet of bees around without a forklift. So. Are they eight frame or 10 frame? Are they they're frame ten or... frame and they're ten frame and they're double deep. So these aren't small hives. Damn. No, they're, they're yeah, they're commercial. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not terribly heavy. Like they're not, you know, I was asking the guys when I was like quickly, quickly, quickly doing the math in my head, like, is this trailer gonna hold? You know, because the trailer's probably weighted for three thousand pounds. And I'm like, dear God, you could easily get there. If all those top deeps were full of honey, you'd be up above that. Yep. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I'm quickly doing the math and I'm asking, I don't know what the contents of these hives are. And I'm like, how much do you guys think they weigh? You know, and they're all from Mexico and they're like thinking in kilos and we're trying to, there's a language barrier. There's like, 
a measurement barrier. Like <laughs> Wrong system of measurement. <laughs> and they told me, they, they were like, oh, yeah, they're probably, what did they tell me? Whatever number they told me, I was like, there's no way. To hit that weight, the entire top deep would have to be full of honey. And that, it, there's no way they just sold me, you know, 24 deeps full of honey. Like, that's not happening. Right. So, anyway, it was harrowing. And uh, I don't know that I'll do that again. <laughs> wow. Well, Ken's getting ready to move some hives. It's not going to be yep. nearly um, that <laughs> on that eight scale. Or, <laughs> eight or ten. Well, that's no small number. Are you going to put them in the back of your truck and make a couple of trips, or you got a trailer? I got a trailer. I got about yeah. six trailers. So you how are you, how are you planning mm -hmm. on closing up the entrance? I I change my mind every year about what I like, and I've got a new favorite method. How are you? Are you going to close up the entrances, and what are you going to use? No, yeah, I just use a number eight uh, hell screen. Yeah, hardware yeah. clock. So for these guys, I did, I'm going to um, put on the reducer, like snug in there, and then use window screen and just roll, put it on the smallest one inch opening, and then mm -hmm. roll a little cigarette of window screen and stuff it in there. So that, that's mm -hmm. my current method, but it changes, you know, every season it changes well, how I that, prefer. Yeah, that works. That's, uh, it's way easier, obviously, to undo whenever it's all said and done. Um <laughs> I do window screen all the time, but I do it the hard way. I actually staple it so that it's on, just a flat the screen. Yeah. So that they yeah. can have plenty of airflow, but they can't get out. But then you end up with, you know, cause when I pull it, it's like pulling the pin on a grenade. I just yank mm -hmm. the screen off and then I have to come back later and pull staples and pieces of screen right. out of there. That was my intention. Um, when I, I bought window screen, I thought, Oh, I'm going to use window screen. And that was my intention. And then these hives all had that I moved last week different different hive move had reducers on and i was like i'm gonna move that to the small guy and make a cigarette of the window screen and stuff that in there and it's, <laughs> it's like a cork roll it up and stuff yeah, it in exactly exactly and then you can you know these commercial hives the boxes are not in good shape you can imagine <laughs> what they're like so there's like holes and crevices and you know whole sides you know ripped out and so there'll be a lot of corkage in a lot of places uh, to move them. If you just need to, you know, if you want to just do it quick, do you know what oakum is? I don't. Oakum? Oakum, well, you've used it because you came from West Texas. Your, your mom and daddy would know what it is. It's the wood that's on the outside of the evaporative cooler. You know, the what the water runs down through when it was oh, sucking yeah. the air? That's oakum. Yeah. You could use that oh. to stuff in the hole, or you can also get a, yeah, or you can even use steel wool for that matter. Oh, yeah, steel wool would work great. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with evaporative coolers. We had a lot of those growing up. Yep, in West Texas you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so for sure. The, uh, you know, you're talking about them all kind of helter-skelter, torn apart holes and, and cracks and tears and all that. Um, I'm not recommending this to anybody, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've told this at some point on the show before, but my um, best slash worst day ever in, in one of these types of moments was trying to remove multiple abandoned colonies that a local honey company had put out on property and then just literally abandoned them. Everything was falling apart. The boxes were falling apart. They had holes either chewed through, rotted through, or, or God knows what happened to them. 
And this homeowner buys the property and then wants these bees gone. And they're all just mean as all get out. Hmm. And I went out there and I spent a lot of time on the first one trying to window screen and staple over every opening I could find, which became quite a chore, only to pick the hive up and the bottom oh. board rot and <laughs> fall out and all the bees still come pouring out of it. And then I got the hive snagged on my suit to where I couldn't pick my suit up to get the hive in the back of the truck without taking the suit with it. And by the time I was so done, I was so irritated I grabbed a can of expanding spray foam out of the truck, and that's how I sealed up the other five hives. <laughs> John, I have had a very similar experience. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who you're, you're talking about with those hives. This wasn't them. We'll share that later with each other. Um, but um, I had a client that bought a piece of property and had hives that had just kind of been abandoned and left and went out to move them at night because they were really aggressive from one part of the property to another. And same thing happened. Um, I, in fact, I had one of my one of my very first employees that I had hired. That was her first night out with me, and she'd never been stung before. And we went to pick up the hive, and same thing. The bottom board just fell out, and the meanest bees that I've seen came pouring out. And you know, when you're wearing a full suit, it doesn't matter. When they're that mean, they figure it out. Yes. And, we and in the dark, they crawl. In the dark, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And we drove away from there and, you know, we both took easily double digit things. And I looked over and her name's Sarah and she had the biggest smile on her face. And I was like, that was a good hire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> walk away from that with a smile. You are good. Good choice. Yep. That's, uh, that's exactly how I feel about Jorge. He, there have been times that I have literally almost worked that poor guy to death. And I feel so horrible because he's gotten heat exhaustion on a removal before, you know, he's, he's had all these different calamities happen and no matter what, at the end of the day, we get in the pickup, it's dark, we're just beat down and we're driving home and I'm thinking, well, this is the last trip he's ever going to make with me. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, he'll, he gets this giddy little grin and giggle and he's like, so when's our next one? And I'm like, seriously, like you were dying 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't do this job if I didn't own the company. There is no two ways about it. If I didn't own it, I wouldn't. It, it, I need that. I need all that comes along with owning a business to like get me out to do this every day. Yeah, I've got a pretty new team. They're not new beekeepers, but they're definitely new to doing this. You know, you know, they were hobbyists before, and so they're a little wet behind the ears. And um, as we pull up with this trailer of bees on Monday night, Aiden turned because you know he's now done. His job is done. And he turns to me and he goes, they're going to find out what this job's all about now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and probably shortly after that was like, peace out. <laughs> like my part's done. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have fun with April, that. I'd be curious what, and I think Ken, for you, your perspective may be a little bit different. You're probably not around just sitting around talking about how you hate your job like I do all day. Uh, but April is my least favorite month. You would think it would be August because August is when we harvest, you know, in, in, in beekeeping, you do bees or you do honey and we do honey. So August is a really hard month because we're harvesting, we're pulling honey and it's the hottest month in Texas. And you got to wear full gear when you're harvesting. There's none of this like glove list bullshit. 
Um, but I hate April more than I hate August just because it's when, you know, our shop is really, everyone needs equipment, new beekeepers, lots of classes. We're trying to like, we stretch ourselves so thin, trying to teach and get new beekeepers and set up clients with new sites. And that's when you install all the hives. And that also is when all of your, your own hives are on the verge of swarming. And it's just such a critical moment for everyone, no matter if you're a breeder or you're a, you know, an educator or you help ag clients, no matter what role you, you know, swarming is really important because if you have swarm, you're not going to get honey. And it just feels like this apex of the season where I, I sent my team a message on Slack this morning. And I said, the monster for this day is we will get through April. We will get through April. We will get through <laughs> April. April is definitely my, John, what about you? Do you have like a least favorite month of the year? Because you do removals, I don't do removals, so your 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 perspective might be different. Yeah, mine mine would flip back over to to August, um, and it's solely from the removal part of it. I actually really enjoy the the early spring, the splits and the requeening, and and I I love like tinkering with raising my own queens and doing all that kind of stuff. So to me, it is more of a joy. But I'm not trying to do it on the level that you guys do, so I don't have I don't have to mix in all of the clients in the shop and and you guys are also a hub for uh, queen cells and other things as well. So I don't have to mess with all of that. Thankfully, if I did, I would be right there with you going, Oh my God, here we go. I wouldn't get anything done because somebody would be saying, Hey John, Hey John, Hey John. And I just have to change my name so that I could yes. pretend I didn't hear them. Um, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're a pickup. You know, we do, we do nukes for a company called Crooked Creek. So we don't make them, but we, our distribution channel is really strong because I do so much teaching. So like I sell more nukes for them than they sell themselves. Yep. And so that, and then we have Queens from Bee Weaver here and we just kind of, I've, I've positioned myself where I'm like, you know, no matter what your interests are or what you need, if it's bees, I can help you. And it's just too much. And April is where we really start to show like the cracks start to show and we just get really tired and stretched and the, team is tired and unfortunately we're barely starting our season as producers for honey because we haven't even started supering yet you know but it is really fun I do agree with you like seeing new beekeepers and new people getting their bees and people excited it's like there's an energy of you know installing packages I love so much there's just an energy that comes along with like installing new hives for people and helping new beekeepers it's really fun I got a I got something for you. Come up here. I got two two packages in the mail right now. They just got shipped from Georgia, so you can come up here and show me how to put them in. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really Are you really getting packages shipped from Georgia? Yes. Yeah, they'll be here. They'll yeah. be here uh, Saturday. That's how yeah. we started season three off. After yeah, ending season two with I learned my lesson last year. And I'm not going to buy a bunch of stuff and I'm going to grow what I have and split what I have. The first thing he says to me on the first episode of this season is I ordered more packages. Only two, damn it. Yeah, he started by saying one. So he was already not telling the truth. (laughs) I've got one one colony. I got it. We're going to split four ways because most of our bees are. I told John, I got a long line over there. It's got a hundred thousand bees in it. He says, no, it don't. I said, yes, it does. I sit there and counted every damn one oh. of them as they came out. 
Oh, I am so glad. I am so glad you opened that door, Mr. Milam. I know it. Because, so, you know, I I bitch about this all the time whenever you see that stuff on the news and it's like 150,000 bees. And I'm like, you're so full of shit. Um, I was just about to say that same thing is that it's either like a swarm has 3,000, you know, has a million bees. And I'm like, no, or they're like, this hive has a thousand bees. And I'm like, no, that's not right either. Right, exactly. A swarm, <laughs> maximum fifteen thousand. Maximum. You're not talking yeah. <clears throat> fifty thousand, hundreds. You know, none of that stuff. In a in a colony inside a wall, especially when you show me, and it's got you know the the whole hive takes up maybe four foot by two foot, and you're telling me that there were two hundred thousand bees inside this man's wall, and I'm like, no, there wasn't. But that's sensationalist, and that's how it happens. But I would love for everybody to hear the other side of this story because this cracked me up. He tells me this, and he says, there's been, you know, th- this colony has this many bees in it. And I was like, no, it doesn't. And he giggled, and he said, yeah, I know. And then he goes, but, you know, so we we opened up. It's a long lane, so they've got covers over the top of the frames to help mm-hmm. make it more like a top bar. Yeah. And yeah. he picks up two of the covers, and so many bees come rushing out, they closed it back up. So he didn't yep. even fully do an inspection to base his number of bees on. Oh, I can't imagine this coming that. out of the hole. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah, the, the bee mat and the news. I was just telling someone that last week. It's like a particularly strange pet peeve of mine that I'm like, that is not right. Who are you people asking these questions of? Like, who is advising you on this? Are you just making these numbers up? I know. I I wonder if they just add a zero because they think, well, that's not going to sell. So this will get more likes. Let's put a zero on there. Right. Because someone's going to be like, oh, 10,000 bees. That's nothing. Like, no human that doesn't work with bees is going to go, 10,000 bees is like nothing. They're going to go, 10,000 Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't need to be 100,000. 10,000 is frightening enough. No. Hey, you guys, I had the most interesting swarm call yesterday, and I want to get your take on it and see if you've ever had anything like this happen. <clears throat> so I took Aiden on this swarm call. Um, the woman has bees. She has one hive in her backyard. She also mm-hmm. comes out of the house super pregnant. I mean, like, due in <laughs> two weeks pregnant. And she's like, I mean, I would do it, but, you know, look at me. And I'm like, well, I would do it, too, but he won't let me. That's why he's here. And so we got up, we caught the swarm, set them on the ground in the nuke, and we're just waiting, you know, waiting for everyone to kind of settle. And within about three minutes, maybe, maybe even less, they all move. They're moving. And I'm like, oh, man, I've never had that happen before. Like, I've never had, I've never caught a swarm and had them move again like that. And so I'm watching to see where they go and they go. And, you know, I asked her, is this swarm from your hive? And she's like, no, 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 it's definitely not. Well, she was wrong. So I watched the bees <laughs> go right back in the hive. So clearly yep. like I spooked them. Um, they communicated very rapidly. And so I thought it maybe was a practice because, you know, bees will practice sometimes they'll like swarm and they'll come back and they'll swarm. And I thought, oh, maybe it was a practice because they were pretty spread out on the branch. You know what I mean? And sometimes when you see that, there's not a queen in there. Yep, exactly. Okay, it's a practice. So I went back in the hive and I asked her, I said, do you, I'll get into your hive for you and kind of dig around and see what's going on if you'd like me to. And she said, yes, please. So I get in, it's clearly swarmed. I mean, there's hatched queen cells everywhere. So it was this hive and I find the queen, um, so at first I thought she was the virgin because she was 
small, but I was like, I don't know, she looks like a virgin, but maybe not. And they were trying to kill her. And I thought, God, what's going on there? So I grabbed her. I didn't have a queen clip, but I grabbed her with my hands. And I was like, Aiden, give me a nuke box. Like threw her in this nuke box. So here's what I was able to decipher is that they had swarms. The virgin had hatched because I found her. I found the virgin who was very clearly a virgin. So the virgin had hatched and the swarm moved back in. And when the swarm moved back in, the bees that are left behind were not having it. And they were trying to kill the original queen. Have yep. you wow. seen it happen before? Yes, I have seen it where uh, people have tried to stop a swarm where a colony had already made the decision and they were hell-bent and determined. And they tried to stop it and then ended up keeping the queen there and like doing a split and taking the, the cells over to the split. And right. the colony still killed the queen because in their mind, oh. you're supposed to be gone. This We did that this. We accomplished our task and you should no longer be here. And they will they will turn on her at that point. That is so interesting. So when I tell people, you know, you see queen cells, I always say, tell students, the only thing you can do is swarm them for them. Leave the queen cells and take the original queen because otherwise they might still swarm anyway. But I never heard of them like revolting if the the swarm should have already happened and trying to kill the queen. So what I ended up doing, so that's really interesting to know, but I ended up making her a split, leaving the virgin in the original hive and throwing the, the, the original queen in the new hive and being like, bless you, sister. Hope you make it. I don't know if <laughs> let you or not. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. But anyway, I'd never seen that before. Um, so interesting. So there's, there's a couple of really cool things that, that you, you've obviously experienced because you went through that checklist in your mind, even as you were telling the story, but for everybody listening out there, you can have swarms where they all kind of happen at the same time and then they get confused and they fuse into one massive swarm. You can have after swarms and it's usually those that will end up doing it because the queen pheromone is weaker on an after swarm with a virgin queen. And you'll wind up with this massive swarm ball that has three or four queens in it. And while they're in that ball, they start trying to to fix the situation themselves and you will have clumps of it fall off and they will be worker bees balled up on the other queens that were not from their colony or other virgin queens that are not producing a pheromone and they're trying to narrow it down in the process of doing the swarm cluster, forming the bivouac. And I've ran across that. I've had situations where you either they don't have their queen like if you've got a queen excluder on and she doesn't make it out so they swarm or abscond ball up take inventory and they're like well crap and then they go back to the hive but i've also had it where i have removed the queen from a swarm and then they turned around and went back to the colony they came from and that was the first thing that i thought when you said that they were going back i was like oh they lost their queen because they will do that and in the situation with mine when i first ever experienced that I was with the apiary inspector of all people <laughs> the very first time Mary Reed had ever come out to one of my apiaries. Yeah. And as we're pulling up, she was like, over there on that, that mesquite tree, is that? And I'm like, I'm looking and I'm thinking, oh, and she goes, is that mistletoe in that tree? And I was like, oh, God. I was like, no, it's a swarm. And she was like, she was like, oh, fun. Well, we get to do that today, too. And I was like, OK, so we have all these things that we need to accomplish out here today. And, you know, I don't want to take up her entire day because she's also got other stops to make. So I'm like, all right, let's let's knock them down in this bucket. 
I caught the queen and I put her in a clamp and I put her in the bottom of the bucket with the swarm and I put just the lid kind of loosely on it like you normally would, right? Mm-hmm. Well, for whatever reason, they didn't stay in the bucket and we went on to continue doing our looking and left them underneath the tree that they were in because it was the only shade and we'd go through doing our inspections and when we come back, the swarm is nowhere to be found and the queen is still in the bucket in the clip because she couldn't get away. <laughs> they came back out of the bucket and they went back up to the tree, but then when they got up to the tree, they couldn't find her, so they just went home. And so we found the colony that had swarmed, and we opened it, and that there's now this massive beard on the front of it as they're all trying to integrate back into the colony. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, your queen's over here. It's, I was talking, so after this happened, I'd, I'd certainly seen swarms return, but I'd never experienced this phenomenon of, like, them trying to kill the returning queen. By the way, I got a really cool video. Um, it's on my Instagram from a week or two ago. A couple of weeks ago, I was out working hives, and there was a queen that had run out. She's run out of sperm, and she's laying blanks, and she's laying drones. And it was pretty soon after the storm, so I think they just there was like this brood break interruption, and it kind of threw things off. So they hadn't, you know, they'll kill her, and they hadn't killed her yet. And I got in there, and I was like, oh, dang it. So I, I said, okay, I'll come back to this. I'm going to check the other hives, and I came back. And as I came back, I opened the hive and they were doing the ball and they were killing her. And I got this really killer video of them killing their, their own queen, which was really interesting. But after I got the swarm, this swarm yesterday, I called Brandon Fahrenkamp, which is another, you know, beekeeper. Whenever something crazy happens, you know, beekeepers like we're doing, we love to, you know, know we love to share stories and be like, have you seen that before? And he and I were talking and we both, you know, we were like, just when you think you've seen it all and you've like figured them out, they do something and you're like, wow, didn't know you'd do that. There's just, there's no end. It seems to like figuring bees out and learning about them and just never. And that's why I love swarms because you just, you never know what you're going to get. You know, I think the funnest part of a swarm is like trying to strategize how to get to the swarm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause that's usually the hardest part. Like, a memory came up on Facebook yesterday of the time that I caught a swarm on the side of a hospital and they sent me, it's a second floor of a hospital and they sent me up in the jankiest, rickiest bucket truck I've ever seen. And I was like, <laughs> I only had a veil on and I was in a short sleeve shirt and now, you know, everyone's like, whoa, look at her. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. But the biggest fear in my heart right now is I'm terrified of heights and going up in this bucket truck that feels very shaky. Yeah, very suspicious. (laughs) Uh, Another thing, Tara, is I've got 17 traps out right now. I've put them all out now. And do do, would you like me to call you to help you? You could come up here to the lake and help me uh, get my swarms out of the traps. Talk about no shame. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, in all seriousness, if you ever get one, are, are they are they trapped in a way that they're in frames, or you can have to do a removal to get them out? No, they're, they're in frames. frames. They're, they're all in frames. frames. Okay. okay no he has no excuse I'm to always, ask for help. I, <laughs> especially from the pregnant woman. Ken, goodness gracious. <laughs> Did you uh, uh, have you bought your new suit yet? I mean, are you going to have to get a two X or a one X oh or? <laughs> so I, I, you know, I wear overalls. You know, like I'm rarely in a full B suit, but when I do need a full suit, I wear like men's kind of thick coveralls and they're an extra large. And I'm already like, okay, this is your, 
your limit. You cannot grow larger than this extra large bee suit. One of my apprentices from this session just had a baby, so that means she was working bees with us last month, you know, when she was over nine uh, months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she's she's one of these women that's tiny. She's super tiny and she's all belly. So she's super cute. I am I have accepted I'm not going to be that woman. I'm just gonna be look like an elephant stepped on me both ways. It's gonna spread out in all directions. And um, she's so cute. And she puts on her bee suit and I swear to God, you guys, she looks like Pooh Bear. And I love it so much. And I'm like, you're not going to look like that, Tara. You're just going to look a giant mass of a lady. <laughs> the whole thing. John, you'll appreciate this. Someone, when I <clears throat> announced on Instagram that I was pregnant, someone commented, oh, here's my best suggestion. You don't work bees in August in Texas. It's really hot and it's going to be hot pregnant. And I was like, well, that's helpful. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm so- I swear to God, you guys, I think that most people that follow me on Instagram think I have two hives in my backyard. And maybe that's my fault. Maybe that I don't show enough of like the hard work that we do, but we don't have two hives in the backyard. Yeah, we are. We're not a big player by any stretch of the imagination, but compared to a hobbyist, I am a big player. You know what I mean? And um, I was like, well, that ship has sailed because, you know, that's. I will definitely be in a bee suit in August. I will not be listing, but you better bet I'm going to be supervising harvesting. Come on. Yeah. See, then you in can, August, um, <clears throat> sorry, Ken, go ahead. I was going to say you can run the smoker. I will be in charge of the smoking. That is yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, the, that's the reason why August is not my favorite because bee removal is still in full swing and just insane and going through in a, you know, we use ventilated suits, but we're head to toe because we're dealing with unknown genetics and unknown bees and they're pissed off because we're running power tools. And so, you know, I've got on underneath it. I may literally have on a pair of shorts and boots, (laughs) but we've got on a triple layer suit and you're hoping for a breeze to come through. But on those days, especially lately, it's been getting more humid. And so you're sopping wet before you even start the removal. And then you're covered in honey when you're done. And it's just sticky and it's gross. And that is my least favorite time of year. And they're also, the, all of the colonies at that point have a ton of honey. So there is no cleanly and easily cutting them and removing them from something. Crap is dripping down on you. It's dripping down on everything else. It's just not my favorite. <laughs> so August yeah, sucks. <laughs> I, I there is, you know, I do not do removals. You know, you you got to pick your battles in beekeeping. You can't do everything, and um, I do not envy removals because when you go out there. So when I'm going to go harvest, I've got an agenda. I know what I'm going to do. I can always like stop and take a break in the truck and get some air, con- air conditioning. But like when you go out to do a removal. You don't know how long you're going to be out there. You don't always know what you're getting into, and you can't stop. You can't go, well, I've done, I've done a good bit for today. I'll come back tomorrow. You have to keep yeah. working. And so I do not envy removal guys and gals at all. I know how tough that job is. And that is why, you know, we get tons and tons and tons of calls about removals and such. And on our website, we send people, we've got a webpage and we've got, you know, some referrals, but like, it's mostly just like, here's, I'm, I do my best to educate them before I send them to you guys. Because if I can on a website can say, read this, 
you know, when you read about like calling someone that's insured and it's a professional and why it's important that you understand you're paying for this job and, um, you know, all that stuff that you guys have to explain to people 20,000 times every season, um, we do our best to educate because I hope when they get to you, they've got some understanding that this is a job you should pay for and this is why you want to pay for it. Yep. There has been plenty of occasions where I have told somebody, you know what, I've got an extra suit. If you think this is going to be so much fun or you think that I'm going to take extra time just to run up the bill, by golly, you come right on out here and help and you tell me if you think it's worth it. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. Like, I've been trying to find, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I've been trying to find another example of an industry where this is the same, and perhaps I'm not thinking of it. But beekeeping is so interesting because you've got people that do it professionally in various forms, removals, you know, breeders, honey producers, and whatever. But it's also an industry, um, you know, that's full of hobbyists, and wannabe beekeepers and people that are very interested for various reasons. And so it's just an interesting mix that I feel like I'm constantly dealing with people that are talking, you know, above their, what's the phrase, talking above their pay grades, is that the phrase I'm looking for, but kind of talking out of their wheelhouse, right? Like you don't really understand. And it's just, you've got people of varying levels and experiences that think they know about it all. And it can be really frustrating. (laughs) And I'm not talking about teaching. I'm always happy to teach students. But I just, I'm trying to think of another industry where you have as strong of a, and I'm sure there's a million people that are listening to this podcast and be like, well, I can tell you in my industry, it's the same. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's so many people at varying levels of experience. Um, and, and, and oftentimes people think they know more than they do. And it's just an interesting time and place to work in beekeeping with so many hobbyists or sideliners, you know, you've got varying levels of quote professionals or people that do it for a living or don't do it for a living. And it's a side hustle and that's a different ball game than if you do it full time, it's a very different ball game. Absolutely. And, and it's also one of those things where there is no, there's some core concepts, but there is no hard and fast rules that truly apply all the way across the spectrum because micro and macro changes and environments and locations and, you know, the types of bees and the genetics and your management style and in, in your attitude and energy levels and like everything, the amount of smoke that you use, like anything can change the perspective or outcome of what you're trying to do. And it makes everything a contradiction at that point, because then this works today, but it doesn't tomorrow or this worked for him, but not for her and, you know, vice versa. So, and then you get those people that they may have one of those experiences and it becomes the gospel truth when it could have been a fluke. <laughs> like, right. Right. It just makes it a really interesting industry to work in first and, and rewarding in so many ways too. I'm not meaning to like bash anybody at all. It's, it's so rewarding in so many ways. I'm always so honored when people want to take my apprenticeship and spend, you know, 50 plus hours with me learning about something that I love to talk about. Like, that's really cool. But it's just really interesting. And there's no, to your point, there's no handbook. I mean, there's plenty of like how to's and guides, but really there's some, you're right. Someone says something and something gets started through the chain and you're like, oh, that's not true. How did that become like sort of a common knowledge? You know, I mean, like how many beekeepers, 
think they see pollen coming on their legs and they think bees are making honey. Like that is a very prevalent misconception about how bees make honey. Yep. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's stuff that, that then gets picked up by the media and spread and you get these big misconceptions of stuff, kind of like the, the concept of Winnie the Pooh's hive that hangs from a branch in a tree. If you find that naturally made in nature, those are not bees. Those are wasps. And if it's not that, then it's an old version skep hive, but that's still a completely different story. That's not, you know, truly what the bees are going to be inside of, but that's what's then propagated and proliferated. That's not a word, or maybe it is, but I didn't say it right. But anyhow, <laughs> it's prolific everywhere. You know, it, yeah. it just keeps spreading that. Um, yeah. So on the same note, I, I will I will pose one final question to you and then we'll we'll wrap this bad boy up. But you think I'm going to let it quit this quick? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will, I will gladly come back whenever. So how do you feel about the local social media celebrities? <laughs> and do you feel that it is a disservice or not the interest that they are garnering? Okay. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, hmm. um, okay, let me think about how I want to phrase this. <laughs> I, it frustrates me and, um, but I want to point out that perhaps it frustrates me and, and it's not quite fair. So the thing about that is that, um, what we do is very hard work. You know, you, you, we, we have a couple of like revenue streams that overlap. Um, but, you know, you, you mostly do removals. I do honey. We both do a little bit of education and um, taking care of bees for other people. But in general, working bees and doing this, doing what we do is very hard work. Agriculture is very hard work. We are reliant upon the whims of the weather to take care of us, right? So, like, that crazy fanatic storm that happened, I was in really fine shape going in. And we lost 30% of our production hives. And that is really a tough hit because unlike if I, you know, grew produce, like my heart goes out to all the farmers that lost everything in the field, they can clear the field, they can replant in another month, they're back in business. That doesn't happen with bees, right? I don't get to just more hives appear and then I harvest off of them, you know, within yeah, a you're month or back two. back a year at least. Exactly. And so... I'm coming from this from a point of like, you know, we do a lot on social media. We have a lot of followers, not as many as some other people in the area, but we have a lot of followers and we reach an incredible number of people. And I consider it my duty that I'm going to, I want to share the wins and the love of what we do and teach you about these, but I consider it my duty to also share with you that this job is really effing hard. It's hard work. Agriculture is hard work. We are working against a lot of factors all the time. And I really want to present that. And I want to walk away from all this at the end of the day when I walk away from two hives. And I want people to look and think, I learned a lot from her. But I, most importantly, I appreciate my food and where it comes from and the people that do the hard work to produce it. And so I get frustrated with the quote-unquote be celebrities because one, I don't know that it's responsible. It's not adequately presenting what we do to put on a ton of makeup and have your hair done big and go out and like do a removal. I think it can be irresponsible. 
Um, you know, a lot of people say it's irresponsible because of like you should wear gear. I always cover my face. Mind you, I have done my fair share of the glamour shots. You know, when the Chronicle comes out and they want a photo, I'll take off my veil and do the photo. I have no problem with that. But I just wish, I would like to see the folks that are thriving in the area of self-promotion do a little bit more to talk about the work that's going into that of people that do this real time, like for real, and don't go out and get a photo and then, you know, and go on different TV shows and, the, you know, whatever and move on. I just, and maybe that's unfair, right? So that's where I'm going to say that, Perhaps that frustration is unfair because I don't know that it's fair for me to put my hopes for this world on someone else. My standards are my standards, and I get you get into trouble when you start putting your standards on someone else. But I do wish that I saw more of that. Does that make sense? That was very lengthy. It's I think something it makes that I've struggled sense. with. Um, people ask me about it a lot, and I get very frustrated, and I try to not get so frustrated. That's my only wish is that I wish it was less self-promotion and more a little bit of like highlighting what we do every day. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap that up real quick then. Um, I 100% agree with you and I wish that people that did have those platforms would do better at representing the reality of things and also the safety concerns that could be involved in that and have at least a disclaimer at the very least. But I did put you out there and I put Natalie out there as examples of if you want to follow an empowered woman and see how things really go, check out Tara with Two Hives, honey. And that is a great example. So that is my thanks to you for being the individual that you are. And uh, I want to thank you again for joining us here today and uh, spending a little extra time with us and, and having this bonus episode. And uh, we definitely look forward to having you back again. Thanks, you guys. But. I always love hanging with you. <laughs> you got 30 seconds or but, less. Okay. It's literally okay. going to cut us off. Tara, you're going to have to call it Knocked Up Honey. Oh, you're going to have a new line called Knocked Up Honey. <laughs> See y'all. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> bye, you guys. Thank you so much. Love y'all. <laughs> bye, bye, everybody. Be safe. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.